Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. We're at the ballpark today. Nothing wrong with that, right? University of North Florida hosting the A-Sun Baseball Championships. Final Four, doing a little bit different because of the pandemic. I kind of like the format. I don't know if everybody else does, but I kind of like it. And uh, earlier today, the Jacksonville University Dolphins upset Liberty 2-1. to one. I was a four seed against a one seed. And uh, this is a double elimination tournament, so Liberty's still alive, but a huge win for the Dolphins, who are starting to pick it up after a miserable year, wins-losses-wise. Uh, they've had a lot of bad breaks, but they got the W today. Now UNF goes up against Kennesaw State, and uh, winner's bracket game will be tomorrow at 3. So we'll see what happens. Again, double elimination tournament. A-Sun champ will be crowned on Saturday afternoon right here in Jacksonville. So we're at the ballpark uh, a couple times this week. Baseball grounds Tuesday. Uh, then on the road yesterday at Baker Sporting Goods, and now here at the University of North Florida. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, and this is a fun backdrop, fun story. It's not the story, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, as we get ready to go here, by the way, this first pitch, I thought they were just doing infield outfield. We're ready to go. Oh, this no, game's we're, like this on is, time at 3 o'clock. Absolutely. And so, we, we couldn't be in any better of a spot to take a foul ball right down the first baseline. So well, I'm watching I don't this know. Game Listen, we got the bullpen right here. These guys will protect us. There's a glove Who's, on the who? table. Okay. And how many balls really end up right here? Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. I'm, I'm just going to say I'm going to be pretty bummed if a ball ends up in my face. I'm just saying. Well, I'll let's see bummed. how your reaction time, man. I mean, you I, take, have to you find take out. punches and kicks for a living. Yeah. I mean, why can't you do- get out of the way of a baseball yeah. that's like 180 feet away? For sure. I mean, come on. Absolutely, man. You should let's be more it. concerned about me. I'm old. Not, well, you kind of put yourself in a pretty a better position where you have the building blocking you. You have me out a little more to the right here, but it's all good, though. It's fine. I'm being an athlete like I always am. We're good, man. Yeah, typical athlete. We're going to be good. T- typical athlete, just already complaining. Oh, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Just got back from Jags headquarters, by the way. How Tim was that? Tebow catching passes. Didn't see him drop one. So I heard. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, we might want to start the campaign now for Tebow for quarterback. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence struggled in the red zone today. Yeah. So let's just start the narrative. You want to do it? You want to just like go all in? No, man, I'm I all mean, set. No, I mean, I, I'm not going to play that game. Because, um, listen, I've been very adamant about this, especially OTAs, training camp. You, you can't take too much of it. Um, yeah, you think, think with a grain of salt. All right, yes, I understand that Trevor Lawrence struggled today a little bit. He was a lot better yesterday. There's going to be the ups and downs. Is that shoulder 100% in his opposite throwing arm? Probably not yet. not making that as an excuse, but I'm not too worried about it right now, Brent. Yeah, uh, listen, so here's the deal. Uh, we'll have some observations. I know you weren't able to get out there. They do have limited media still out there. And so uh, I was able to get out there. Uh, Marcel Robinson was out there, and, and there were some media, of course. It was really our first glimpse of it. Uh, I said this yesterday. I said this last couple of days. The big story not isn't Trevor Lawrence. The big story is number 85 catching passes as a tight end. Now we have file video in the TV station of it. So that's why it's a big deal. And uh, some eyes were on him. I think all eyes were on him, at, at least for times. And, and I will say this. I, I didn't see like, oh, gosh, this is what is he doing out here? That never crossed my mind. I think what will be very interesting, I want to ask you about Tebow in a bit, when it comes to the speed of the game. I think that's hard to notice in practice. Uh, maybe you can. Maybe someone like you can especially. But when we do see preseason games, I was, will he be exposed in the speed of the game as a tight end? I think he's already a bit exposed by his height at the tight end position. You see guys that play tight end, and they're 
monsters, you know, yeah. at that position for the most part. So uh, physically, Tim Tebow, he's he's ripped, right? I mean, sure. he's strong. Mm-hmm. He can play the tight end position from that standpoint. Height-wise, I have my questions. Does that matter? Speed-wise, we won't know that, I think, until a little bit later on, either in camp or uh, when preseason games roll around to see if he can really fit in and make this football team. Trevor Lawrence was a little bit of a story. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, he in in the red zone drills, he didn't do well. The defense won the day. It wasn't just Trevor Lawrence. Their offense didn't look good in the red zone. Now, that's an area where everything gets crowded up, as even Urban Meyer admitted. But uh, Meyer said Trevor looked better yesterday, more accurate yesterday than he did today. Yeah, I'm not. Well, I don't read into too much from practice. I'm just giving. I'm just giving you my observations, and I think Urban Meyer actually confirmed those observations. Yeah. So, so two things. You know, with Tim Tebow, the height and the size. Obviously, he's a big-bodied individual. Like I've said, he's shaped like a roadblocks. Uh, as far as the as far as the height's concerned, you know, I mean, I played against a guy by the name of Dallas Clark, who was, I think, 6'3 as well, just like Tim Tebow was. And Dallas Clark was an absolute animal. Now, I'm in no way calling Dallas Clark and Tim Tebow comparable in terms of receiving threats, in terms of tight end threats. But I'm just saying that frame, that size, it is comparable. Yeah. Uh, and as for Trevor... <laughs> I'm not trying to start the uh, stoke the panic button here. Okay? I was going to say, man, you've been at guy's hometown. You better be respectful. But I, I will, I'm just giving you the observations. And again, I think Urban Meyer confirmed too. The offense struggled in the in the red zone. Defense won the day. I think that's actually something. Hey, that's pretty good. They, they flashed a little bit, and the defense was just better, uh, especially in the red zone area where defense sometimes does win the day yeah. in the red zone anyway uh, because things get a lot tighter down there. But Trevor Lawrence, good to see him out there again. We saw him at rookie camp. Uh, it's definitely uh, really the biggest story of 2021 right now this week because of the whole freshness of the Tebow thing. It actually say, takes a little bit of a backseat to even Tebow. Uh, but I think the other big story, and I told you this in my five things to watch uh, that that I kind of put out there on Monday, this whole, it's voluntary, but almost everybody's there. What will that look like? Does almost everybody mean 88 players out of 90? Does almost everybody mean 74? Does almost everybody mean really like 65, but they're really happy with the the turnout? You know what almost everybody means? Everybody. Yeah. All 90. Yeah. All 90. In this climate... Given what the last year was with no OTAs, given the idea that the NFLPA would like to really get back off this part of the offseason, yep. what is 90 players out at OTAs for Urban Meyer's first you know, offseason yeah. mean for him and for the football team? I mean, obviously it shows that everybody's buying in. At the same time, I'm not necessarily so surprised because if you were to pick one player on this team not to show up, who would you pick? Uh, yeah, it's a good call. You know what I'm saying? So, like, either you have the young guys who obviously you got to show up because you have to make that good first impression if you want to make the roster because, once again, you're coming off of a 1-15 a in 15 year, or you have the older veterans who, once again, have to make the roster spot themselves. But also, if you're a new free agent, I mean, you just got paid a lot of money. You better show up and kind of show that good faith a little bit. So I'm, I'm not necessarily so surprised. I mean, maybe one or two guys here or there. Um, when, it, when it's a full house, that's a great sign. But I'm not surprised by it. Yeah, here's the thing. I would say I, I asked somebody about that. And, again, I told you this last week even. I don't, I don't think this should be an over-dramatized story. Mm-hmm. But I do think it has some significance because it would be a story if 60 guys showed up. Okay, so I think you have to acknowledge the fact that people are showing up. What I was told a little bit uh, 
I guess the surprise maybe, if there is a surprise, or at least the appreciation for all of them being there inside the building is more, hey, they could easily show up for the first couple of days, say, hey, how do you do? Nice to meet you, Urban. See what everything's about. I'm going to go do my own thing. Sure. And here we are. Three days in OTAs, but really about a week and a half, almost two weeks now into this phase mm-hmm. uh, where you can be on the field, and they're all still here. So, yeah. again, not an over-dramatization, but it was something I was watching, and I think it has some significance internally. I think Urban Meyer talked about it. We'll hear from Urban Meyer throughout the show, but I think he goes out of his way to say, hey, everybody's talking about the draft and free agency. I want to let you know we have a good core group of guys here that want to win, and sure. we're doing everything we can for those guys. They're doing everything they can to put themselves in a good position. He told us that on draft night when we had him live on TV. He said it in press conferences. He echoed it again today. So I think internally that is a significant deal to have everybody there. I think it actually has some weight for Trevor Lawrence especially because that's the guy this whole city and franchise and everything is rallying around well you get a chance to get to know him a little bit uh in the early going even if you're a veteran player so i think it's good for trevor to get to say hey i know all there's all 89 of my guys right there no it's it's good for everybody it's good for the entire team uh you know it's good for the coaches like there there is no con to having everybody show up there for a voluntary OTA. I just come from the philosophy of even though Urban Meyer said it's voluntary, I feel like if you don't show up, regardless if you're uh, a starter, a depth guy, a rookie, if you don't show up to things like that, uh, that's going to count against you. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that is the case, by You don't way. think so? No, I don't. I, you don't think it counts against you? No, I don't because... Why do you I, think, okay, so let me ask you this then. Why do you think they got rid of Josh Oliver? You think it had something to do with his participation in the building, work ethic, and stuff like that? Because what else would it be? It, yeah, it could have. You're right. It could have been. Yeah. Um, but it's also a guy that has no equity. I mean, so no equity built up. So, as in terms of getting on the field. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, exactly. No so then, why not see what he has to offer? Yeah, and I well, I, I still don't understand that completely. Like, I think that's stupid. So the, I, I think yeah. when you're, t- I think it's the dumbest thing that they've done so far, actually, and it, it, that I can tell in the bulky Urban Meyer regime is let a tight end who was a third round pick that might be able to play the tight end yeah. go when you have no real tight end room that that you love. So why wouldn't you keep the body until later? But th- that's what I'm saying. Maybe it had something to do with workouts. Maybe he wasn't showing, you know, things like yeah. that. I think what your point, though, is where I would differ from you is when we see guys miss OTAs or this portion of the year, it's usually veteran guys. It's not usually the young guys anyway. Sure. Right? Yeah. So... Oliver, to me, doesn't almost even count as a veteran guy because he hasn't even played hardly on the field. Now, if you told me Malcolm Brown mm-hmm. wasn't going, I don't think that would be used against him. I don't. Well, I mean, he's. let's be fair. He's the big the, – the, 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 Urban Meyer wasn't going to – regardless of what Malcolm Brown does, you're not going to let him go now because you just signed that contract. Like, I mean, that's fact. Now, could it count against Malcolm Brown a little bit? I, I think it, it, it might. I mean, I think that could – Stick in the, in the back of Urban Meyer's mind a little bit. I really do. I mean, he would still be the starter, obviously. But I think that if you don't show up to these voluntary things with the first-year coach, I think those first-year coaches remember it. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, that's what I believe. Yeah, I, I do. I, I understand what you're saying, by the way. I think there's a subconscious to all that. But, again, I believe this this climate has a little bit maybe relax that thought, even if you're a head coach, even if you're a position coach. It's not ideal. 
uh, if you're missing. But listen, the Cleveland Browns, they, how many people do they have showing up? I, I mean, you can't sit there and knock every player for not showing up when you hardly have players showing up. No, for sure. <laughs> so you, you can't. Well, you kind of got to eliminate that out of your mind if you're a coach. I think. Yeah, but once again, I think it's a difference between being a first-year coach and being a guy who's been established for the second year now going in. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Um, Tim Tebow, back to him for a minute. You said height. You said weight. I'll tell you this uh, again. If you're just jumping in, Tebow didn't drop passes when we were out there. Like uh, anything that I saw uh, that, you know, and, and again, you you kind of go all over the place out there. So maybe there I was watching some other play when he dropped one. The hands looked fine, you know. Sure. And by the way, we had a mid-shoot to Tebow. Uh, pass for a touchdown. Uh, nice. So at one time in the session. So that's imagine the endorsements there. Oh my gosh. Uh, but Tebow. What's my observations of Tebow? I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, he, he blended in. He looked good running on air. And no, I don't want dummies. Hey, I don't like doing that. I'm just saying Oof. he blended in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's significant sure. because I don't want to be the guy standing out right now if I'm Tim Tebow. Because there's only one way to stand out. Sure. And that is balls dropping off your hands. You look like you don't belong. Yeah. Like when you're making this transition, I thought he blended in fine. Like he, if, if again, we didn't know that's who he was, if they put him in a uniform number and changed it, we'd sooner or later identify it was Tim Tebow, but I don't think we'd been like, oh, my gosh, look at that. We're, oh, that's obvious. You know. Yeah, and I yeah. think that has some significance to it. I think that's all Tebow's trying to do right now. He's trying to blend into a room and a roster. And try to make it. And he's going to go through the bumps of that, learning the position. There's a lot of conversation with him and coaches, mm-hmm. uh, especially his tight ends coach. Uh, and I saw Trevor Lawrence throw into him. I saw C.J. Beathard throw into him. I saw, saw Minshew throw into him. So they're all doing that. His hands obviously were fine in the drills that they did and, and the opportunities that he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do come back to speed. I left the practice and I'm thinking, okay, how much will be revealed in speed? For Tebow, he runs like he ran like a four eight six forty or something. He's, sure. he's not a blistering guy. No, right? Mm-hmm. He's not Kyle Pitts speed. He's yeah. not. He he is big and strong and athletic, but he's not necessarily fast. Do you think the speed of the game at some point will show up on Tebow, even if the hands are good, even though if he, he's understanding the position, even if he can take the physical part of it, which we kind of think he can do that. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, speed could be the one thing that we all notice and like, okay, he's playing at a lower notch? Yeah, I mean, definitely speed and agility to me would be the two type of things. Now, I'm not saying Tim Tebow isn't agile because he showed his moves in college. Uh, You know, he showed a little bit um, in terms of his NFL prowess, but it's a different beast to play the tight end position, to run routes. And obviously to have that speed to get away from linebackers or safeties or corners, whoever's on you. So, yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to come up. Like, I get right now, you know, you're essentially you're doing this on air. You're doing this against dummies. Um, and a lot of guys are going to look good. And, and it's the, from the videos that I saw, congratulations, you didn't drop any balls. You're a tight end. You're supposed to catch them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's <laughs> a good point. He, though. he, he looked like, you know, a, a tight end in the, whatever the third day of, of camp, we'll see what happens when the pads come on. We'll see what happens when they're live reps. We'll see how we adjust to that. Like, I'm not ready to to say the speed's going to be a factor because I mean I know a bunch of tight ends out there that aren't the fastest guys yeah. that, but they're savvy enough to get the job done. Uh, we'll see about that. But I'll tell you what, what I enjoyed, and it was one thing that I said I was going to watch as the observation. Now, obviously, I wasn't there, um, but I saw this all over social media, and I was happy to see it. So Travis Etienne. Um, there was a big question, at least in my mind, of how are they going to handle these OTAs with Travis Etienne? 
because we heard Urban Meyer say, okay, we're, we're going to treat him as a wide receiver. He's getting reps there. I was curious to see once you had 11 on 11, once you had the whole team there, how they were going to handle him. Was he going to get to the handoffs as well or just straight wide receiver reps? Well, lo and behold, to start out practice, Travis Etienne is taking handoffs from his traditional running back position. I like to see that a lot. Yeah, it's uh, another one that we had our eyes on for sure. So, um uh, one more thought on Tebow for now, because obviously it is the big story this Thursday. Trevor Lawrence, I think, in the last 24 hours really helped the perception of Tebow in the locker room. I think he did something that was very smart. Uh, and it might just come from genuine, hey, this is my observation of Tebow. Yeah. But the way it came off in his quotes about Tebow over the last 24 hours when he went on uh, NFL Network and Total Access, and, and I think he did an AP interview as well yeah what he said i think as as i heard more of that and he was on nfl network last night i was like man this is a big helper in a locker room we're under we're confused we're we're curious about the dynamic of the locker room right yeah. with tebow could it become a thing you know you ask brandon lender about it you ask marvin jones about it. could it become a thing that's your curiosity from the perception outside it's like it's going to be a thing like sure. that's what people are saying. It's got to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I think Trevor Lawrence did a whole lot yesterday, saying, hey, "This guy, you know, he looks a little better every day. He looks the part. Uh, super athletic. It's my first time meeting him. I've had great conversations with him. Yeah. Nobody's going to work harder. Like all those things that he said. That's the guy. That's the face of the franchise. That's the voice of the franchise. The spokesperson for the franchise. Almost." I won't go this far, but almost endorsing Tim Tebow being a part of their locker room. I think it went a long way. It did go a long way, but that's because Trevor Lawrence is no fool. He understands the game already. And he understands that if he comes out and says, oh, I don't know why Tim Tebow's here. I mean, I don't know. I know a bunch of other better tight ends. Like, If he was to say that on ESPN, on, during the national media, they would take that and they would roll with like that that you wouldn't believe. And the more circus, the more fames that you, the flames that you fan, well, the more distraction you're going to have as the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So what a better way to get ahead of it than give Tim Tebow props. Now, are they genuine? Does he wholeheartedly mean that? I mean, probably, yeah, because I think Trevor Lawrence is a great guy, um, and he just met Tim Tebow. You know, he's, he's never interacted with him before, like he was saying. So, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence meant what he said. But at the same time, it's obviously it can also be counted as a tactical move because now you're kind of extinguishing some of those flames a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're not giving the media more ammunition to have more distractions and more questions geared towards you when training camp starts. Yeah, and by the way, like whatever the reason, I just think it the way it came off helped that side of the argument mm-hmm. on the Tebow front. It, it really probably did more than anything. I think Urban Meyer should go say, hey. Way to handle that, kid. Nice job, sure. right? Because yeah. I think it does alleviate some of that, whatever tension might exist. And I can tell you this from folks that I talked to. I said there isn't a lot of that in the building. Like there's a good feeling around it. It's just kind of, hey, he's another guy. I mean, there hasn't been this overwhelming stuff. And I told you that, and I think we've talked about this. It's going to be way more overwhelming outside the building. Everybody well, else well, is going to – we're yeah. going to talk about it. Everybody else is going to make it a bigger deal than probably people even inside the building. Of course. I mean, at the end of the day, this can go one of two ways. If the guys in that locker room, they understand, like, hey, if we just – if we support Tim Tebow, if, if we keep our mouths shut, like if we have an opinion that's not positive, you know, that's going to attract more of the media chaos. If we give him praise, um, if we give him props, then that media distraction for a little part, it, it goes away. You know, so I think the more positivity there is in that locker room, the the, the more camaraderie there is, um, the the less scrutiny and then the less headlines the media has to go off of. 
Yeah, there is the. Um, there was this thought out there today, though. Oh, I that, had the interview. The interview with no, no, Meyer. Oh no! Imagine if Jalen Ramsey was still here. Oh, I got you. How many things in the last week would have been tweeted, Instagrammed? Whatever. There would have been a couple, that's for sure, <laughs> right. man. There definitely would have been a couple. To, to me, what I was referring to is Urban Meyer stating that he doesn't know if Tim Tebow yes. is going to be a tight end and everybody's going to play other positions. Well, as well. we're going to hear from that. I want to get it. I'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. I had to save a little bit. Sure, it's man. the people out Well, hey, this is, this is the, it's the Tim Tebow hour. Let's get into it. Uh, we will eventually. By the way, two-run bomb for the University yeah. of North Florida here in the first inning. Alex Keckler has had an unbelievable year for the Ospreys. Goes deep. It's 2 to nothing over Kennesaw State in the early going. They play nine around here, folks. A lot of ball still to be played. But we're live at University of North Florida. Dusty Rhodes Stadium. Dusty Rhodes Field at Harmon Stadium. It's the A-Sun Baseball Tournament. We're talking football. We're talking baseball. we got more to come. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Uh, Daniel uh, says, we went from hot Cheetos to shampoo, raising the intellectual portion of the show. Austin Lane. I'm wearing a sleeveless T-shirt. What more do you want from us, man? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's Friday. We never said we're intellectual. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. There's a lot of differences. I mean, it's still football, so it's been a lot of fun to get out there with all the new guys and you know new teammates and kind of get used to everyone. So that's been fun, but uh, it's just different. You know, I'm a pro now, and just the way people handle their business, the expectations, all those things in a good way. You know, you're just expected to to you know be prepared and play at a high level because this is this is our job now. So it's been a cool adjustment for me. And being able to treat this as this is my job and this is all I have to do. It's not like I'm in school anymore. Um, so that's obviously different. And then um, just here, like I said, getting getting adjusted to new teammates, new coaches, all that. It's going great. I think we got um, a, an amazing coaching staff here and, and players as well. So it's been a, as smooth as it could be. And it's just been a lot of fun getting to know everybody, honestly. That is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course. He's out there today, has been for the last week and a half or so, and, and even more if you include uh, rookie minicamp. Getting accl- acclimated nicely. I mean, the transition seems seamless for him. Uh, just, I think he's going to be so happy just to be playing some football after what's been a wild six months, five months. If you go even to the Heisman stuff and then you go to draft day, uh, for a guy like that, it's going to feel really good just to play some football finally, don't you think? Of course, man, without a doubt. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane here at the A-Sun Baseball Championships. It's the Final Four. JU beat Liberty earlier today. They go to the winner's bracket. Liberty down to the loser's bracket, and they're the top seed in this thing. Right now, UNF playing Kennesaw State. 2-0, going to the bottom of the second. Ospreys hit a two-run homer in the first inning to take the lead. Winners again will play tomorrow in the winner's bracket, but it is a double elimination tournament, so plenty of baseball still to be had here in a very good conference in America, the A-Sun. Uh, we see some unbelievable college baseball around here. If you talk Florida, Florida State, uh, heck, you, you know, Miami comes up here, and obviously they've got a traditionally great program, but even now the UCFs of the world, and uh, heck, you don't have to go too far in Division Two. Flagler plays good ball, a very good program. But this A-Sun, you're talking about guys like DeGrom who have come out of the A-Sun, Chris Sale come out of the A-Sun. You have know, really made some noise as of late. Uh, Kluber is another one. Uh, just pitched a no-hitter, but now goes on the, the uh, injured list for the Yankees. There's a ton of talent uh, for both of these schools. Of course, our our uh, local hero, if you will, from Inglewood High School in JU is Daniel Murphy, uh, who played for so long in the big leagues and had a heck of a career out of the A-Sun. 
so pretty good stuff, and, and we got some big-time talent once again right here at the University of North Florida as they are hosting these ASUN baseball championships. We'll keep you posted on the well, score. It's pretty cool, too, because behind them, then you have the track meet going on as well, the regional championship. I'm glad you brought that on, up. So. The NCAA regional. This track is like one of a kind. It's yeah. unlike uh, very few in the in the world that are like the University of North Florida's track, and they host some big-time prestigious events. And you said it. Uh, the NCAA track and field championship started yesterday, going on through the weekend. Mm-hmm. And the who's who of track and field championships um, got future Olympians. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Uh, potentially. Potentially. Uh, they're at uh, well, on know, campus, too. Just right over there. Absolutely. <laughs> I know we got some Murray State racers running that thing, too. I'm, I'm wondering what time they... Uh they're uh, they're going at because obviously this is like a, it's a Thursday Friday I think Saturday uh, it's it's yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday through Saturday yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly you so a couple it. days but hopefully uh, I'll be able to check them out as well maybe later on in the night all right some uh, other things uh, Jags OTAs today again we won't be back out there I think until next Thursday I think that's our next time out so it's basically a once a week thing and then there's a mini camp mm-hmm. that will happen. Well, the following week. So I must be missing one in there. I think we're allowed twice next week and then the three days of minicamp. But, you know, the obvious eyes were on Trevor Lawrence, Tebow. You mentioned ETN earlier, both in the wide receiver position and the running back position. You know, everybody seems to be commenting out uh, Walker Little is not so little. He's a very big man. Sure. Well, guess what? Offensive linemen are big. Last okay. time I checked. <laughs> I think that's like what a, that's not, not the observation I went to get. I mean, yeah. I kind of figured Walker Little was pretty big despite his name. Yeah. I do think the defense did run around a little bit. And I was a little disappointed I didn't hear as much about Joe Cullen today. I, 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 I thought he was a little low-key. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we got the – it wouldn't be the best of Joe yeah, in yeah. terms of the uh, mic'd up. Maybe, you know what, I think I heard he might have been mic'd up. Maybe that's why he played ah, it. I think I, I heard you. he was getting mic'd up for Thursday's practice, so well, he might have played it low-key. Uh, also, like I was discussing, too, like, you know, going from a position coach where you focus on just one group of guys where you expect, you know, to get 100% out of them um, nonstop the Joe Cullen way, well, now he's responsible for a lot of positions. You're responsible for the safeties, the corners, the linebackers, the defensive linemen. So, you know, you have to watch where you spend your energy, where you spend your time, because you have to make sure everybody's on the same page. And when you have to do that, I feel like maybe the yelling has to subside just a little bit, not just just a smidge. Nothing, you know. He's still Joe Collin. He's still gonna let you have it, but he's got to focus now on the bigger picture as opposed to just one position. Group. That's a good call there. I, I didn't think of it like that. You know, I do know Joe Collin, the defensive line coach. You know him as the defensive line coach. But that's a that's a good thought. Does he need to dial it back? You know, I, I remember Todd Wash out there. He get after you now. Todd oh, Wash get after you. Yeah, yeah. But he also was kind of the guy off to the side watching it sometimes. So there is a delicate balance of that, Yeah. Uh, even though I think from a defensive standpoint, all heads are sooner or later going right to Joe Cullen. No, absolutely. And that's the cool thing about being on the defensive side of the ball is you, you can be a little more um, aggressive with it. You can be a little more crazy, if you will, because I've always said this, you know, the offensive side of the ball, you have to be a little more calculated. Um it can, you know, be a little more calm, a little more collected. On the defensive side of the ball, man, you pin your ears back and you go. It's more about intensity, more about physicality. So you're obviously still going to see that with Joe Cullen and his players. You know, that's definitely going to rub off on the way he coaches. But I just wonder if he takes just a little step back now um, just because there is the bigger picture and not just one position group. More on the OTAs. I, I, I want to be careful how I characterize this. I thought defense looked pretty good today. Okay. But I don't know how good you can look in an OTA. Exactly. Right? Yes. Like, so I, I, here's the deal, folks. I don't like to 
I've done this now for a few years. I, I feel like I'm, I probably did more of this in the early going of watching practices, whether when I was up in covering the Patriots, covering the Giants, or even covering the Jacks uh, when I was a bit younger, you might mm. say. You get kind of carried away because that's what's in front of you. And you're like, oh, man, that practice, uh, that guy looked good, and this guy looked good. And it's like, okay, come on now. We're talking about May, right? Yeah. So I, I say that, and I just share that info with – I'm not a big fan, and I've really dialed it back at trying to get too excited about a certain player or play or unit or this at this time of year. I just don't think it means a whole hill of beans, as they used to like to say. So, <laughs> I think my grandparents said that. I don't know I like why that, that came out. I've never said it in my life, but I just did. I like uh, that, yeah. But, so, but we're there to observe. Yeah. Right, and you're watching Tebow catch pass. You're watching Trevor throw, and he struggled a little bit in the in the uh, red zone area. I thought Gardner Minshew, by the way, I'll talk about him in a bit. I thought Minshew looks good, sure. and, and uh, that's just not a guy that I expected to see in May. If you asked me this three months ago, mm-hmm. so, but I did think the defense was flying around. The defense looked good. A lot of different players too. It was like hey, you could have picked almost any player making a play on a ball, yeah. and there was some really good competition. I, I said this to somebody there. I was like, man, they're getting after it right now. You know, so those corners and receivers again. That's where our eyes go. So I don't want to overdramatize. I don't want to say, hey, this is what this is. Watch this defense now. It's going to be a top ten defense. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you today. While we were out there, the observation, defense, full around, look good. Yeah, and and that's great. You know, that's that Joel Cohen brand right there. I think we look at this defense the past couple years, especially last year. You know, we always talked about speed and athleticism and things like that. And, and yes, to, to be successful now on the defensive side of the ball. That speed has to come through a little bit. Let's not get it twisted. I mean, the, the, the game is evolving where it's wide receiver friendly, it's quarterback friendly, and with that being said, it's all about the speed. But at the same time, the finish, the relentlessness, that can also match with physicality. I always echo this. I always go back to you know the the, the, the last playoff series here when it was the Ravens and the Titans, and you saw how the, the, uh, the Ravens played against Derrick Henry. And, and you saw how they matched them in the trenches and ended up winning that game. That's what I like to see out of whatever it's the third OTA now, um, you know, the first in the media. Is that, that's what I like to hear about what this defense is doing. Because right now what you're doing is you're instilling the discipline and you're instilling, hey, guys, no matter where the ball is on the field, we have to finish. Right, because when you finish, that builds the the mentality, that ingrains the mentality, it forges the mentality, and then by the time it's week one against Houston, it's second nature. You you go to the whistle, maybe you go until after the whistle, but you obviously you bring that mindset of where we got to hustle to the ball and we got to do our job. And you played under Joe Cullen. You think he's very good at that, that culture yeah. building part of it. Well, that's what Urban Meyer he has built his career on that that culture building. And interesting to your point, finish. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this has been out there, like, from the rookie minicamp, but it was interesting to hear it myself. They've got um, a gentleman who was the chief of staff for Urban Meyer basically on the mic the entire practice. Interesting. And and the entire practice basically saying, hey, you got uh, going here next or, you know, 30 seconds left in, in this period. Or he'd count it down, 10, 9. He, and at one time or another, I heard him say, finish, plus two mentality, finish. Yeah. Like, you're sitting there going up against the guy in a rep. Yeah, but in the back you're, you're subconsciously getting that like almost brainwashed into you. This plus well, two, no, this for sure. finish, but that stuff that's normal football stuff. I'm no, just saying that's how much they're emphasizing it. No, it, it's it's definitely normal football stuff, and that's hence why I always got in fights with you know in training camp, especially in Jacksonville, just because I always had Joe calling me, telling me to finish. 
So if I'm trying to finish, you know, and I'm trying to finish up the play, and somebody pushes me, like, after the whistle, well, in my eyes, then they got the best of me because now they got yeah. the last shot. And it's not really so, finished. <laughs> so it's not finished, yeah. So now I have to go in there, and I have to finish it myself. Like, that's that's kind of where that mentality came from a little bit. So I, I, I like what I'm hearing, you know. Um, I, I like the fact that there's literally a guy just on the, the yeah. bullhorn the entire time. it's almost time, like a DJ's re- out there, but obviously Reiterating not. it. Um, it's it, it's cool, I mean, and that's, that's what needs to be done, right? Because we, we saw what 115 looked like last year. We saw the lack of physicality in the trenches. Um, we saw the the blown plays and all that stuff. And that's another thing, too, that when we talk about the plus-two mentality, when we talk about finishing, you're also ingraining conditioning, right? And, and you're also trying to get in the best shape of your life now practicing out in the sun right now because I'm sitting out in the sun, so I can't imagine if you're wearing a helmet and, and shells or whatever they're wearing today. Yeah, it's going to be a toasty one. It's only going to get warmer for training camp when you're rocking full pads. But that's an advantage if you use it the right way. The, the, that's an advantage to, to out-condition every other team. And by the time it's week one, week two, you are in better shape. And when you're in better shape, well, then you're not thinking so much because now you're not winded, you're not tired, you're not trying to gather yourself, you're ready to roll. So in terms of mental mistakes, it can make all the difference as well. You know, from the philosophy and the coaching, we were talking defense, and that's where a lot of that comes into play, I think, on that defensive side of the football. This strikes me, too. Trevor Lawrence said it yesterday when asked, he's like, hey, Urban Meyer's player's coach, man. He demand, we know what to get. He's already talking about the communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crystal clear what he demands, what he wants. He said, but he's also going to make sure we have the best available stuff. Again, I mean, reiterating that stuff. Um, heard a lot over there today again. I think uh, Brandon Lender and his post-practice comments talking about the same. Hey, he's going to. He's a player's coach. I mean, it, it's fun to play for him. He, he wants the best for you. I think when we – I had somebody – actually, this will be interesting. <laughs> Block your ears for some, you critics. When somebody mentioned, like, Gus Bradley in the sense that we haven't had, like, a player's coach around here to this degree mm. since Gus Bradley. And what struck me is – hold on, hold on. Yeah. Jeez, you're the guy on Twitter right now or listening to the show that's about to jump on me. Yeah. Listen. Okay. But what's very interesting is can when we do visualize a player's coach, we visualize guys like Gus with this personality, right? Guy like Pete Carroll with that personality. What's interesting about Urban Meyer is every player that we've talked to that played for Urban Meyer says, yeah, man, love the guy, love the guy, love the guy. Now, I'm sure it's not everyone, but everyone, it's seemingly across the board. But he comes across more Belichickian, Saban, kind of almost Coughlin at times with perception. He doesn't come across as this bubbly personality guy, and so there's this interesting juxtaposition, what we know as a player's coach and what we've seen in the past. Well, and this is, to me, it's the giant difference between Gus Bradley and probably Urban Meyer. It's the fact that off the field, I'm sure, like, you know, everybody feels that they're kind of the same guy, right? That they're friendly, um, they'll go to bat for you, all that stuff. When we talk about Urban Meyer, though, and I've spoken on this a lot, they're going to get the best of the best. They're going to get the best, whatever, hot tubs, the best food, the best of everything, and that's great. But a price will have to be paid, and, yeah. and the price will be paid during training camp. So it's going to be a rough, maybe the hardest training camp we've seen here in a long time. That doesn't scream player's scope. Yeah, yeah. That screams old-school mentality. So I can understand that he's a player's coach from the standpoint of, hey, we get all these nice things, he has our back. 
but you got to earn those things as well. And having people earn those things, that's the old school mentality. Yeah, that's a great dynamic of it. And, and even the way usually we see a Rex Ryan was a player's coach, right? I think David Garrard said like that's like his favorite mm-hmm. stock. It was so fun to play Andy for. Andy Reid's a player's coach. Yeah, but, it, but they have these personalities that kind of echo that too, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times. Nah, not the case. That's a great dynamic you just brought up. Hey, I got your back, man. I'm going to give you the best, but you are going to work your butt off in the month of August to get what we need to get. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.